Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida. Thank you, Matthew Arter. Welcome back to another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, it's just me and Matthew. Kind of a family show, as Carol Burnett would have said. Uh, how about the last two weeks, huh? How about Paul Vogt? Getting him on the show, we, we're still so uh, excited and happy and had such a good time with him. We're just, we're still on cloud nine riding high. And then we had to watch this episode. <laughs> yes, we we have thoughts. We have things to discuss here. So why don't we get to it? Matthew and I are about to discuss Season 8, Episode 3, called Ready or Not. And it had an original air date of October 4th of 1986. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts. Family show with me and Matthew. Well, hi, Matthew. Here we are again. Welcome, David, to my show. Your show? Whatever. I just thought I'd try something different. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, Um, yeah. If this were my show, I would not claim it. This episode, anyway. Oh, it's a little rough. We, We got stuff to talk about here. That's for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, nice, nice family show, another family show where um, we don't need a, a guest to enhance us. We don't need to draw the focus away from ourselves. Why should anything ever not be focused on just us? Really, when you think about it. Everybody turns you down when they hear I'm on it, right? No, stop. Shut your fucking pie hole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're like, oh my God, I'd love to. Oh, Matthew's mm, never mind. I'm busy. Yeah. I'm 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 more likely to believe it's like, oh fuck, David's coming across the street now. He's gonna ask me to be on that goddamn podcast again. I don't even want to give him an hour of time from my house, let alone go to his place and have to. So sweepy, you ready to discuss season eight, episode three, ready or not? That is the perfect title because (laughs) I was so ready for like the wonderful Chloris years and oh, Chloris Leach is here. It's going to we're going to breathe some new life into this show. And it made me wonder, did they already have this season written and they just had to do a couple of rewrites to to make it Beverly Ann instead of Charlotte Ray? Like Uh, as the first uh, non-Mrs. Garrett episode. Like, it's not just a, we don't have Mrs. Garrett. We've done many of those. But as the first true bona fide Beverly Ann show, and I did check this episode was the third episode taped for the season. So it's uh, it's such a disappointment because, well, we were talking last week about with the introduction of Chloris, how in that article that came out later where they were like, yeah, we fucked up her character. We told her uh, not to be fussy and weird and kooky. And then we wrote it fussy and weird and kooky. And she didn't know what to do with it. So the, the intention was that like, oh, well now season nine, we're, we're kind of figuring out the Beverly Ann thing. 
And it's like, whoa, you could have prepped a little bit better. And maybe I don't know what season eight holds for us in store as we proceed, but this does not bode well, does it? And it could be that it was a 2D centric episode. And you know how I feel about those already. Well, what a great opportunity to, to kind of put Chloris like the fish out of water here. You know what I mean? Like, or something. I, I was hoping for a Chloris-centric, um, all the girls getting used to Chloris Leachman and whatever, but... And her figuring we, out her place there. Yeah, we, yeah. We talked we about that at the that. end of the last episode where she was talking to Natalie about, you know, I think I'm sure that three in the morning is after your bedtime. Like we were saying, we're like, bitch, she's an adult. She doesn't have a bedtime. What the fuck is happening here? And what function are you going to serve? Are you going to be a pain in the ass? Is that what your character's going to be? Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, this episode originally aired September 27th of 1986. It was written by Jane Anderson. This is her second of three episodes that she would write. The first one she wrote, The Apartment. Oh. I believe uh, Dan Johnson, our very special guest that week, uh, said to us, please don't make me watch another episode. (laughs) Because it was not really that good. And then uh, later on this season, episode 11 called Right or Wrong. And is that one where they deal with somebody plagiarizing Natalie? Like Andy's grandmother plagiarizes something that Natalie wrote or something fucked up like that. But um, yeah, I don't know if that one's any good, but the other one and this one are kind of... And the episode was, of course, directed by the wonderful John Boab. He is back, back in Boab. Okay, Matthew, we don't have Mm -hmm. a guest. You are the guest. Quickly, off the top of your head. Two-sentence TV Guide synopsis. Go! Um, Blair registers for classes, (laughs) I guess. I don't know if something else happened. I don't know. Just... You don't know? Yeah. So, yeah. But we can go with that. Blair registers for classes, which I I have thoughts and felts to be fielded about that. Um, it's called Ready or Not, because this is now the second episode where we're dealing with Tootie considering uh, losing her virginity. And uh, of course, tarnishing her purity that the baby Jesus bestowed upon her, which she should be saving for the man she marries. Yeah. So um, it's interesting and it's cool that it's the youngest of the group who is uh, considering this. Uh, we don't go there, of course. We know we don't go there till Natalie next season. That's that's coming. Uh, but yeah, we'll let's let's get going through this, shall we? As far Please. as the the deep dive here. We start at the house and Beverly Ann is cleaning. She is maniacally cleaning and picking up the place, dusting. Uh, she happens to touch this new red planter that's hanging. Later in the scene, when Blair and Joe are there, Beverly Ann comes running in with a mop, mopping around them and then putting the mop in that cart thing that you know has the lever that squeezes out the, it's like, You're wet mopping the floor around people standing in a room. You know, mopping is the everybody out of the living room. I'm going to mop. 
Why didn't they just have her sweeping? If they wanted something that was kind of semi-intrusive and busy and futzy that they wanted her to do, but mopping? Jesus. Yeah, already you're wasting Cloris Leachman. True. At one point she's up on a stool and she's dusting the, the, the facade below the railings on the top balcony. Like she's, she's like in Joan Crawford OCD mode and we're not really quite sure there, there could have been a word of dialogue of her saying, well, I'm trying to at least keep up with the house since I'm still learning how to help in the store. And I want to be sure that everything is just her trying to find a function, something to do to keep her busy and feel useful. Totally would have gone with that. That wouldn't, I would have had no problem with that. But instead, they're just giving weird, kooky, fussy things for her to do. And yeah, like you said, it's a waste, a total waste. It should have opened with her like in the store learning to register and Joe and Blair like lose, losing patience, trying to train her on on their highly computerized system. Which you we know. know they did last season. They computerized and Tootie was the big computer whiz kid that episode. Uh, they could have had her, I mean, and if they wanted to make Beverly Ann just, just dotty, just, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's batty. Yeah. Batty, just not, not bright and distracted, you know, where they sometimes can utilize her being flighty and, and a little stupid, naive. It's like there are so many words kind of flying around here that show the lack of focus of the character. You're, you're totally right. That would have been a better use of that because she is going to need to be helping in the store, something that nobody seems to be doing here today in this episode. Store's closed. Who's minding the store? And it's a weekday because Blair and Joe immediately come in from outside and... Uh, Blair has been registering for classes at school at Langley. Mm -hmm. So you don't register for classes on a weekend. That's a weekday function. So that store should be open and it should be open on the weekends too. Uh, but the joke is that ugh, Blair, you registered for 37 classes. And she's like, well, I'll just return all the ones I don't like. <laughs> I'm rich and I shop a lot. So, just put a pin in this, please, that Blair was registering for classes at Langley. Enter Natalie, full body work suit, starting her first workday with the highway crew. It's another butch manly job, another chance for Natalie to be dressed uh, in, a, in an unexpected way. And uh, she looks great, by the way. Mindy Cohn is so slim these days. <laughs> and uh, as I said before, love the red hair. Love, love, love. Natalie with the red hair. Um, but she can't find her hard hat. She's running around the house. She's got to go for it. Can't find her hard hat. Well, <laughs> as she almost walks into the planter that Beverly Ann happened to touch on her way out, Beverly Ann made a planter out of Natalie's helmet. Whoa. <sighs> so hilarious. I think flaky is not necessarily funny. It's it, a little bit of it goes a long way. Well, the fact that we've, we've we're three minutes into the show and it's been crammed down our throat. That, like, yeah, that she's she's busy and 
uh, over occupied and yeah, fussy and flaky. It's ugh. she's been mopping, she's been dusting, and now this. It's like okay, there's the third thing, and ah ha ha, the joke paid off. But yeah. So then in comes Tootie. Tootie is accompanied by her new boyfriend, and his name is Rudy. And uh, he's a very important character because uh, this is the boy that she will later be considering doing it with. That's the guy she's going to have a Rudy Tootie good time. (laughs) Rudy Tootie fresh and Rudy. Yeah. Rudy looks like Rudy looks 13. Uh, yes, I you you read my mind with that. He is a very youthful, uh, assuming he's 18. I mean, they're both college freshmen here, but uh, let's talk about him. The actor is Claude Brooks. Um, he has a lot, a lot of credits, uh, but here's the interesting thing. In 1997, he created, starred, and executive produced a show called Claude's Crib, which was a USA original back when... The cable channels were just starting to dabble in making their own original content. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall was in the cast. It was only a half season of 13 episodes, and I think they only aired nine of them. Uh, But since 2006, off and on, Claude Brooks created, wrote, directed, and produced Hip Hop Harry on Discovery Kids, sometimes on TLC, which is a rapping yellow furry bear catering to younger kids, like kindergarten age kids with basic life lessons, but it's supposed to have more of a street edge to it because he's a rapping bear. It's supposed to have an appeal to kids who are not necessarily white. It's, it's bears with a Z, I believe. That's how you know. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's the show was on and then it went off. But uh, right now, currently, he is still making content with Hip Hop Harry on the YouTube channel. There's a Hip Hop Harry YouTube channel, and there's also ABC Harry. Uh, at this point, Harry's mostly CGI. It's got kind of a Mickey Mouse Clubhouse sort of a feel to it. Uh, so, but he's still kind of working in the upper levels now of on the creative end of doing TV and shows, as well as some other acting credits. And another uh, credit of note is a show called The Tony Rock Project that he co-hosted with Whitney Cummings. It was a sketch show syndicated through My Network TV, 2008 to 2009. And uh, it was a sketch show and it was, it was kind of fun. It was a lot of like man on the street reactions to things kind of a deal. And uh, they are on YouTube. I'll post some of the videos. And uh, yeah. So then in comes... So, so like I said, here's Tootie and Rudy now. Rudy is very young looking, but the more I thought about it, I think that was the right way to go, was to get a youthful baby-faced guy because at the very least, when the time comes for her to make the decision, when they're later in the car and all that, I think the important thing was that we needed to know there was no threat there was no danger. He didn't feel like a dude who would force or overpower her physically. There was no way he was going to overpower this 40-year-old strong businesswoman that he was in the back of the seat <laughs> with. Tootie's dressed like she's 40. It's the 80s. That's all girls dress like that. Uh, uh, everyone in my high school dressed like that. Everyone. 
And uh, so, yeah, so I will agree with this. And he is very sweet. He's very nice. He gives a fine performance. Uh, once again, we're trying to telegraph how very important this brand new character is that we've never seen. She, are you guys together again? You've been inseparable since you started college two weeks ago. Uh, wait a minute. They've been in college for two weeks? Why is Blair registering for courses if college started two weeks ago? Tootie goes to Langley, right? It's never established or said that Tootie goes to any other school, right? Um, is it this season that Blair goes to law school or is it next season? Yeah, this is okay. their senior year. Joe and Blair will graduate from college at the end of this season. Okay, then I have nothing. Yeah. I'm, I have reason to assume I don't know that there's an abundance of colleges and, and um, there's an abundance of colleges in Peekskill. There could be more than one, but at the moment, I, I can't remember where Tootie goes. We, I'm sure, will discover that later. And uh, what happened to the whole, I'm going on tour. Well, I'm not going on tour. Well, I'm not going to college. I'm going to live with Natalie at the end of season seven to, to get some grit in my life. And now suddenly she's magically in college, but studying drama. Gee, who suggested that, Matthew, on this very show? Hmm. I think it was me who oh. suggested that, that she could, the, the middle ground, there was middle ground between I am going to college to be a lawyer. I'm not going to college to be an actress. It's like there was, a, you could, you could do both a little bit of both. Yeah. And so clearly somebody in the time machine heard me. Oh, Tootie and Rudy, by the way, are in a, an improv class together and they have a cardboard box with the word props printed diagonally on it in a font, not a hand-drawn. These are a printed carton that says props. What? Uh, yeah, wow. They've been shopping at the Muppet Show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, it would be at least that would be in a stencil font. This was in like, you know, standard Helvetica font. It's like, who has that? What the fuck is that? Unreal. I mean, just ugh, somebody clearly the container store was just starting out or something. Um, they talk about their silly improv class. The teacher led off with an impression of a tuna fish sandwich. So then we did our impression of two kids walking out of class and we laughed. <laughs> the, the teacher, you know, when you go to college, Matthew, and you say, oh, yeah, my teacher wants me to turn in a paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 professor, ladies and gentlemen. If it's if it's not a teaching assistant, which would be a T.A., the actual person who does the teaching at a college, you call them a professor both to their face and referentially when they're not in the room. Just saying. Yeah, that, that's what you took away from this episode? <laughs> that's what I took away from a four-year college education, Matthew, and little else. <laughs> got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. So they are hanging all over each other. He's got his arm around Tootie. Uh, they're just, I mean, again, trying to telegraph the shorthand of, oh, they spend so much time together. They're going so hot and heavy. They're getting so serious. And uh, Beverly Ann is clearly uncomfortable with that, which is making her clean and futz and flake more. But eventually Rudy leaves, Blair and Joe leave, I forget. 
what happens. Beverly Ann and Tootie are in the room alone. And Beverly Ann begins with saying, Tootie, uh, I'm fairly sure that this is none of my business, but haven't you two been seeing an awful lot of each other? And Tootie says, Beverly Ann, that's none of your business. Uh, opportunity missed. Hi, joke writers. Why would that not have been Beverly Ann? You're right. That is none of your business. <laughs> There's your joke, people, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it, it is interesting because, you know, there is a sense of, I, I get it, the sense of, uh, bitch, I don't know you. I'm not talking about who I'm thinking about fucking just because you're Mrs. Garrett's sister. I'm okay with that. Um, Beverly Ann tries to tell a story about a boy that she was obsessed with, and it doesn't really go that well. Oh, Beverly Ann, she's so flaky. And then Tootie says, Beverly Ann, we're really not seeing that much of each other. Ding dong, he's back. I got the newspaper movie section. Great. They're planning to see a movie that night. <laughs> and the last thing Tootie says to Beverly Ann before she leaves is, Beverly Ann, I'm an adult now. I don't need your supervision. That is true. Tootie is 18 now. And that's yet another layer of what is our show? We don't even have a, a, a minor in the show that other than Andy, I guess. But um, yeah, I half expected Beverly Ann to reply to that. Well, then why am I on this show? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes, a hundred thousand percent. Yes. <sighs> So then as they're sitting down talking about the movie, their conversation turns to uh, how much they like each other and how far the relationship could go, how, they, how, how far they imagine the relationship could go and, uh, and adjacently how far they should go. Tootie is uncomfortable, but admitting she's new to this, this is good. She makes herself vulnerable. She speaks her truth and he lets it slip that he is also new to this and suddenly we have the oh my god you're uh no don't say it and thankfully she says there's nothing wrong and it's oh we're are we back to the thing of it's okay for a girl to be a virgin but a boy who's assuming where he's 18 also a freshman like she is so an 18 year old boy it's what you're a virgin oh my god what a loser and also, I have a question. Is it a is it a TV trope where or a Hollywood trope, I guess, where boys actually are in this kind of competition in their group of friends where it's like Billy's an, a virgin and everyone laughs like, is that a thing? Because I didn't talk to my friends at all about sex in in high school did you you or any of your friends having sex in high school i don't know because it wasn't like nobody was sitting around <laughs> talking about it yeah we didn't either no we really didn't talk about it so wow. i've always just hated this like this hollywood trope of like losing your virginity being a a, a social status as much as it mm -hmm. is just a personal thing that happened i don't know but and as you get older how not a big deal it is how much how much most people who waited i think 
the majority of people who quote unquote wait in hindsight are like, why the fuck did I wait? Why didn't I just get it out of the way? And speaking of tropes, the other one is the adult who is uncomfortable talking to the younger person about sex. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it have been cool if they had said, rather than be dotty, rather than be flaky, what if, whereas Mrs. Garrett was traditional and reserved, wouldn't it have been fun if Beverly Ann was just blunt to a fault? What if it was, as opposed to, you're seeing a lot of him, have her walk over and say, he's a very nice boy, Tootie. Are you having sex with him? And if Tootie be going, what? Never say, what? It's fine. I don't care. I'm just curious. Do girls your age have sex? I haven't been that way for so long. I started when I was 14, but you know, have her, again, that is what I imagine Cloris Leachman would say in a circumstance like that. Beverly Ann, I think in my head, now that you bring it up, I think one of her character traits is the fact that she does tell stories. I agree. Yes, that that seems to be at least one thing they're trying to commit to. And again, we already had the Golden Girls last year. The Golden Girls was a smash hit in its first season. And it's literally four old ladies sitting around telling stories and little else. So (laughs) it was a little (laughs) bit more than that. But okay. (laughs) denounce the golden yeah. girls to uh, for we're not de- all, no for i'm not denouncing them stories i mean it was a little more than that but whatever i will say yeah it was a little more than that only a little more than that and it was brilliant that was the genius of the writing of the golden girls is how the fuck did they make every week a hilarious hysterical show when it wasn't so plot driven and action driven and location driven it's no 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 i will not disparage the golden girls So then next we have a little scene in the store and we just discovered this scene was cut from the syndicated version and we really don't miss it that much other than uh, it's Natalie coming home from work again, coming home from work through the front of the store versus the house. Uh, But but, oh, oh, Beverly Ann is minding the store. She's waiting on a customer. We, We do have someone minding the store. I take it back. And Andy is there also. So Natalie admits to Beverly Ann that she has a crush on a guy who is working on her crew and indicating the fact that she's in this, you know, mannish uh, onesie bodysuit and a glow orange vest. She says, could a guy be into a girl in this outfit? And who responds? But horny little Andy. Do you remember what he said? No, I didn't see it. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Jesus Christ, I, I had to watch the Daily Motion version. I forget. Yeah, because you don't. we don't have the other versions anymore. Shit. I'm sorry. Um, and so we have horny little Andy who chimes in. I love a woman who glows in the dark. It's like, okay, at least Andy's staying constant. And his voice is just starting to change. It's just starting. It sounds like just that little deeper. It's almost as deep as Joe's at this <sighs> point. So then to help her kind of feminize her outfit, Flaky Beverly Ann suggests a couple of Patty LaBelle party barrettes and puts them in Natalie's hair and they're uh, trying to make her look, it's, it's like a silly accessory costume joke and it doesn't really work. And then we come back into the Tootie thing. You know, this, this Tootie and Rudy thing, uh, do, do you think they're getting too serious? And Natalie says, if they were, she would tell me, Beverly Ann, don't worry. 
Why would they name him Rudy? Well, there is a funny moment where they're saying goodbye to each other in the previous scene when they're trying to say they're sort of mushy. I love you. I love you. Goodbye. She says, goodbye, Rudy. And he says, goodbye, Tootie. And Joe says, goodbye, lunch. (laughs) Yes. I think that shit is funny. But she was reacting to how they were talking to each other, not the fact that their names rhyme, that they would. Oh, I think it was a little they bit about Tootie Rudy, which I would prefer if we refer to them as Rudy Tootie for the rest of the. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. Rudy Tootie. It's it's in. Uh, so then the next scene now, this is where the syndicated version picks up, where Natalie goes to the living room where Tootie is sitting on the couch. She's got a shopping bag next to her. And Natalie sits down and says, you know, Tootie, uh, I've got a crush on a guy. His name is Snake. And he's the guy that does the hot tar work. This is the first time we are made aware of this boy named Snake. And we know later next season, Snake is going to be the one to whom Natalie gives her purity, her virginity, and commits the vile sin of premarital sex. Snake is going to release his venom. And I'm, I'm just like, did no one in that writer's room say, do you think a nickname like Snake is going to make him sound like either a villain or a guy with a huge dick? Did, did it occur to anybody that I'm trying to find any good angle or spin as far as I'm interested in that guy? What's his name? Snake. Ooh, That's exactly why they call him Snake. <laughs> but. In a sitcom with the innocence level that the facts of life has, you know, this this show that's not worried about that kind of stuff. For God's sake, on Growing Pains, the kid's nickname was Boner. No. Yes. But was it Boner like like a hard on or was it Boner like bloopers, foul ups, bleeps and boners? They referred to him as Boner. (laughs) Because he's so boneheaded. Whoa. I find it hard to believe that they were implying he walked around with a hard dick all the time. Andrew Koenig, his name was Richard Boner Stabone. Oh, well, Stabone. So they call him Boner because of his last name. Like, yeah, like- but they were so literally saying Boner every time. <laughs> they, and I was like a child i was looking around going am i the only one catching this like <laughs> am, am i the only one with a boner whenever they say that hmm? no just me <laughs> wow but yeah by the way snake would at uh, finally when we do meet him next season he would be played by the wonderful robert romanus from fast times at ridgemont high <sighs> so apparently he invited her to a work party I'm going to say that again. He invited her to a work party for their work, where if there's a party for work, she'd already be invited. Um, anyway, why it wouldn't be, he asked me to be his date for the work party. But anyway, Natalie wasn't sure whether she was going to go. Boy, crazy Natalie Green is asking Tootie, should I go or shouldn't I? And it's like, uh, okay, wow, that's weird. But the intent of this is to set up 2D responds. I think you should start making your own decisions. We're not children anymore. 
there comes a time when we don't have to discuss everything. And it's like, okay, what? wow. This would, you imagine, be the time you would need to talk to your best friend more than ever if you're thinking about fucking a dude for the first time, Tootie. But for some reason, the again, the trope of we don't discuss sex and this is my problem and I got to deal with this myself. And ugh. but I, I was as confused as Natalie. I was like, you're going to tell your friend since you were nine that there are some things we don't need to sh- No. There are women in their 50s, in 60s, into old age who still talk about everything to each other. David and I know what kind of shits we take. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So thankfully, albeit illogically, Natalie is not offended by this. I think she should have been, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, So she just goes upstairs and Tootie is left with these shopping bags I mentioned before and she pulls out a sexy nightgown and you get a woo from the audience. A sexy nightgown. If you're a mom who has a night away from the kids (laughs) and, and you, you really have a toy and are going to be alone. That's the sexy. (laughs) What? I mean, I'll give you it was purple and it was satiny and it was what we've been told is supposed to be sexy. But I don't know a single real woman that like owns something like that. But certainly not an 18 year old. Again, the 45 year old secretary probably sleeps in something like that. Do do they? I don't know what women sleep in or like, I don't don't think they sleep at all. I don't know what women like go shopping for that they find sex as a drag queen. Like I know I go out shopping for like my thoughts are like, okay, does it cover my arms? Does it cover my legs? Does it show my tits? Does it do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't sexiness is not the if it happens to be sexy and it does all those things, then great. But so I don't know what women shop for like it. Like I would like to hear from the ladies that listen, like when that when she pulled that out, were they like, oh, no. Or were they like, oh, OK, I'd like I'd be interested to hear the input from the ladies. OK, I agree with you, ladies, amongst our tens of listeners, chime in, comment on this and uh, let us know. So, of course, Beverly Ann walks in right at the moment when Tootie is holding up the nightgown. And Beverly Ann, upon seeing this, starts in again. I know I'm not your mother or guardian or close friend even. We've only known each other for four weeks, but can't we talk about this? And, and again, what, what is to be... What, what does Beverly Ann want to talk about as opposed to okay are you gonna do something i'm here if you need to ask any questions if you need advice but the fact that beverly ann is so in her face about this it just it just reeks of oh my god you're young and you're pure and you're gonna fuck up your life doesn't it doesn't it have that sense to it it does have that sense david but you know what also has that sense what your spot on impression of Cloris Leachman. I'm loving it so far and I'm going to stand by it. Did I even do? (laughs) Oh my God. I thought you were. You sounded, I mean, it was spot on, David. I am here for it. I'm no stranger to sarcasm, Matthew Arter. (laughs) 
Clearly, we need uh, to put a pin in this. I'm just trying to keep myself interested because <laughs> Blair is hardly in this episode, and I was True. just like, Meh. Mm-hmm. okay. I mean, and I knew they weren't going to do it. So anyway, but anyway, yeah, we knew that. Yeah. But in response to, can't we talk about this? Tootie's response is, this is nobody's business but my own and kind of storms up the stairs. Uh, So then uh, Joe comes in or Blair comes in. I don't know. Joe has a ponytail, by the way, the first ponytail since the OG Joe ponytail. And wow, it's a lot different now that we're tying back a mullet. But uh, anyway. Uh, Rudy then shows up and he's got flowers and Beverly Ann's like, oh, aren't these nice? I'm going to go put them in water and snatches them away from him before Tootie sees them. And later we hear the toilet flush. (laughs) Toilet flush. You flushed a bouquet of flowers to prevent sex from happening? (laughs) I'm just, I put I thought you would have more of a problem with the fact that there's supposedly a bathroom right there downstairs by the door that we've never acknowledged or heard of before. I'm surprised you didn't have a little fit. No, I totally didn't. That there's a bathroom downstairs. That's right. Must be a half bath. (laughs) You're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose your mind when you see the kitchen. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, how the kitchen's changed. Yeah. Especially after they closed the store. Oh, oh, do not get me started on the, yeah, we need a bigger bedroom. We're going to close our store. So she flushes those flowers right down the toilet. Yeah. So then when Tootie does come down to greet Rudy, he says, well, kind of like a tonight's the night. I found a great apartment. We have the whole place to ourselves. It's a special place and it's going to be a special night. As we fade to commercial. Ooh, are they going to fuck? Mm-hmm. I was on the edge of my seat. Just Were waiting for, for the commercial to be over to find out how they were going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when we come back from commercial, they're in the back seat of a car. Turns out the apartment they thought was going to be vacant was actually the site of a surprise party. So unfortunately this is what they're left with and so instead of postponing or saying maybe another time they're like okay guess we're gonna fuck in the car cool done have you Uh, ever had sex in a car i have yes it's it's not hot no it's not fun it's even when i was young it's like oh yeah even when we were limber and resilient yeah yeah like now it would be an impossibility yeah (laughs) So she gets Tootie gets a really, I thought, funny line where she says, at least they didn't yell surprise, dot, dot, dot. And like implying like (laughs) they walked in and caught them doing it and yelled surprise. Yeah, that that was a good thing. Yeah. So he did bring some champagne because, you know, 18 year olds can get champagne and drink it. Mm, Sorry, no. 18, no, national legal age of drinking is now 21. Remember, Blair and Joe barely uh, snuck by with that when they went to Fort Lauderdale at the end of season five. But he doesn't say, I bought this legally, does he? 
No, but it's illegal for them to be drinking it. If a cop walked up and tapped on their window, it'd be like, uh, is it illegal to be drinking it or is it illegal to buy it? Oh, you should be a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. They talk about how nervous they are. They're making such a big fucking deal about it. And it's like, if it's this big a fucking deal. When, and again, the whole thing of, you get the sense it's like, okay, tonight is the night I'm going to stick my dick in you. Oh. <laughs> As opposed to, you, you guys know you can pet, right? You know, if, if this relationship is important to you, if you can see a future, you do know you can do other stuff leading up to intercourse like they're going way past hand stuff they're going yeah they're just jumping right in right and why the you know again tv this this is something you would never see on network tv in 1986 going let's engage in sexual activity up to but not including intercourse uh, <laughs> but the, the whole thing was that was the time when you know you say sex meant literally only penetrative and nothing else it's like Guys, there's so many. Oh, the menu is so much bigger and broader than this. But and, and by and by extension of that, this doesn't need to be such a big deal. You can work your way up to it as opposed to, you know, we're, we're going in there. We're all for the gusto and uh, the comedy that could have been had watching Tootie in the back seat blow him. Just, <laughs> just watching her no. head, her head pop up. And saying like, oh, this tastes salty. And then back down, you know, the comedy that put that in the old in the old time machine, David. Let's go back and be like, all right, we're in a car. She's going to blow him. The joke is going to be that he's like, as soon as she finally does it, it's over. No. Okay, I'm going to put my lips on it. We're done. We'll fade to black. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. They're jumping right past hand stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and mouth stuff. And it's like, guys, children, this is Beverly Ann. Had you opened up to her tootie, Beverly Ann could have taught you this. Oh, yeah. But some comedy comes from, well, let's turn on the radio, set the mood with music. And the song comes on, the lady is a tramp. Oh! Because <laughs> when two young people fuck, that girl is a tramp, isn't she? <laughs> that whore bag. <laughs> but the boy, stallion. These are all ironies, ladies and gentlemen. Please do not quote them out of context. Uh, then they change the channel and we get... Dr. Ruth, or I should say, not Dr. Ruth. It's an actress doing the voice of a Dr. Ruth. And, and she's doing that little voice and she's talking about a dramatic rise in teenage pregnancies. And of course they're like, Nuh. and they do talk about contraception to their credit. She says, did you bring, uh, and he goes, whole box. Yeah. <laughs> Funny line. That's a good line. Um, by the way, the voice of Dr. Ruth, uncredited. It is Lois Nettleton. Do you remember who Lois Nettleton is? Not Lois Nettleton. Mm-hmm. She played the friend on Golden Girls who turned out to be lesbian. Lesbian. Jean? 
lesbian. Yes, Lois Nettleton played Jean on The Golden Girls. Oh, that Lois Nettleton. That Lois Nettleton, yes. <laughs> um, and here's the other thing. She will also be back in person. We will see her face and she will be credited uh, as the new wife of Frank Stickle. Dick Van Patten, oh, who is yes. the ex-husband of Beverly Ann. I think allegedly the woman he left Beverly Ann for. So we will see her, but that's not till uh, season eight, episode 20. It's coming down the pike here. But So we leave the car scene and we come back to the house. Uh, Blair and Joe are like, Beverly Ann, what the fuck are you so worried about? Jesus. And once again, Beverly Ann, uh... I'm in an awkward situation here. I uh, don't have any real authority over you girls, but uh, I am an adult. And the, and it's like, yeah, you don't have any authority over the girls. Girl, fucking change your tune or your attitude or figure out who the fuck your character is and what you're doing here. <sighs> uh, uh, the impression is dead on. This is me silently judging your judgment of me. Oh. <laughs> so just as Blair and Joe say, we don't think anything is going to happen. Natalie comes barreling in saying, what was I thinking? I was sitting right here and Tootie basically told me that she and Rudy are going to have sex. Like she didn't say it outwardly, but it was clearly there. And I, as her best friend, didn't pick up on it. What the fuck? So then back to wow she is gonna do it but the way they're talking they're talking like he's he's gonna make her rob a liquor store or something you know like the oh no this thing is gonna happen and the trouble that's gonna come of it <sighs> back to the car kids are doing awkward shit i i just i i can't even he he tries to kind of jump on top of her finally and then she acts like it's uncomfortable and changes her mind and is like no rudy stop it i can't do this i changed my mind and i'm not ready for sex so he gets out gets into the front car gets into the front seat of the car and drives away back at the house duty comes home and says we didn't do it <laughs> Hey, you know that thing that I didn't want to talk about all week and I told my best friend since I'm nine that we don't have to share these kind of intimate details. Didn't do it. Yeah. And and he hates me. And Beverly Ann says, oh, I'm sure he doesn't. And you hear the screeching of tires outside. And it's like, whoa, that that took a turn. Um, Natalie does say a nice line, an important line. It doesn't matter what you wanted. You have the right to change your mind. That is revolutionary for 1986. Yeah. That's, that's more 21st century thinking and thought. And that is not something that was ever explicitly stated or accepted in the 80s. It's like, well, if, if he had proceeded without her consent, most people would have said like, well, you kind of started the ball rolling. You're in the backseat. You're drinking champagne. I mean, what, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? If he didn't consent, he was going to rape you. I mean, girl, <laughs> it's modern times. Suck it up. So uh, that line made me very happy. That's my favorite line in the entire show, as a matter of fact. But then Beverly Ann says, well, if there was anything between you, he'll be back. Ding dong. 
Tootie's like, oh my God, you're right. He did come back. He does still love me. And they all clear out of the room so she can answer the door alone. Weird. And Rudy is at the door and he says, I forgot my books. And he walks in, picks up his school books that he had somehow left at the house and says, I'll see you around. And then he leaves. And it's like, oh, so Rudy's turned out to be a dick. And we have once again done this unnecessary emphasis of sex being so fucking being such a big fucking deal that if you don't do it, well, that's how you lose your man. Mm. I mean, really and truly. And Tootie says at the end, and I wish they didn't say this, Tootie says, I really did like him too. Maybe it would have been better if she said, you know, I, I wasn't sure about him and it was good that we didn't rush into something. But to have her be like, I really liked him. So it's like, oh, so basically... The, the tail end of this episode is so I should have fucked him to keep him. Hmm. I mean, is, is, isn't that kind of a little bit what the, what the message of this is? It's like, don't want your, you know, yeah, it's a dick move, but girls, if you, if you want to keep your man, you know what you got to do. I think it was, I, I was hoping, I guess maybe now that I have to think about it, that it was more of a, I really liked him too, but I'm not going to do something I'm not ready for. So bye. Yeah. But she can acknowledge her feelings and say that it's yeah. okay. It's okay to have had the feeling that you really liked somebody, but I ain't going to do that. I would do anything for <laughs> love, but I won't do that. Um. So I don't I know. I didn't know that Ethel Merman recorded that. That's interesting. Well, she was on the original dashboard light. Oh, was um, she? <laughs> yeah, she was who he wanted. But then they ended up getting um, what's her pussy? Stop right there before you go any further. It was really. <laughs> well, you love me forever. <laughs> it was going to. Yeah. So he was going to have to work for that one. But yeah. Um, no, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that it was uh, that kind of ending. Well, they do at the beginning say, Tootie, you were in a play with him over the summer and you said you weren't that attracted to him. And Tootie was kind of like, ah, well, things change. It would have been interesting if it was, I, I just, again, I like the attention. This is, I guess we kind of already dealt with this before with Natalie. I like the attention. I like this and that. But <sighs> as opposed to her saying she really did like him, um, if Tootie had just said, I, I guess he wasn't the right one. If we're going to make such a big fucking deal out of it, let's go all in then and say, well, I guess, I guess I made the right choice. He clearly wasn't the right one. And then the final words, which I think are the only good things spoken by Beverly Ann is that the episode ends as Tootie starts up the stairs. She says, oh, and Tootie, congratulations on becoming a woman tonight. And Tootie says, but I told you, I didn't. And Beverly Ann says, oh, yes, you did. You sound just like her, David. Oh, okay. Dead on. Okay. I'm going to kick you in the nuts next time I see you. 
Oh, if this promises, promises <laughs> condescension, I don't have to put up with this. I never claimed to be a Cloris, and God knows she's not as interesting as Charlotte Ray vocally. Um, yeah, blame it on her. Yeah, oh. you know what? It did occur to me too as we're going in back, and then we're talking about hand stuff and blow jobs, and you know, why couldn't he just eat her pussy and blah blah blah. <laughs> Kim Fields is 17. We need to stop and say, Duty is 18. Kim Fields is still technically underage. So um, good for them for addressing this as a, as a thing, as a subject matter for the show. But could they have been a little bit, uh, could, they, could their hands have been tied a little bit just because of the fact that, uh, yeah, the, the, the woman here involved, the actress is not yet of age. Her, her mother is still on the set. <laughs> it's like... Well, yeah, just something to keep in mind. That's all. Ask Brooke Shields about Pretty Baby. You know oh, what I bless. mean? So, yeah. Or uh, Jodie Foster about yeah. um, Taxi Driver and all that. So, yeah, there we are. Not uh, certainly not one of my favorite episodes and a very um, disappointing start to the Beverly Ann times Yeah, here in the show. And this could have been had they made a different choice about the character, this could have been a real chance for her to step in or for her to be flaky and dotty at the beginning. And even though we do have that very last moment, maybe more midway through the episode, she could have swooped in and been, been less tentative, been less. <sighs> there you have it. What else? Uh, what else you want to talk about before we uh, sign off? Before we finish this, my last note ended when they were in the car, so I was I I, I checked out right about then. <laughs> yes, perfect. So, uh-huh. well, there yeah. it is. There you have it. Yeah, and I think we can say that we are having made this a family show. I am very okay with that. I would have felt bad making somebody that we allegedly call our friend have to watch this i think there's better shows i i I won't say i was underwhelmed but i i certainly i wasn't even whelmed (laughs) i'm not superstitious but i am a little stitious yeah Yeah. all right sweepy so that's uh, that's season eight episode three boom it is done and uh, that uh, happened I hope we don't have to change the name of the podcast to Facts of Life. We watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> Actually, that that's in the notes of every episode on Apple Podcasts. Uh, <laughs> it says David and Matthew watch another episode so you don't have to. Um, and I think this is one of them that clearly proves we are we are right for offering that service to our beloved listeners. Whoever wrote that, it's funny. <laughs> So uh, that's it for this week. And uh, I will see you on the flip side and uh, see you next week. Huh? Will you be here? Huh? Huh? Next week where we discover a new room in the house that they've never apparently discovered before or whatever. (laughs) It's the attic though, isn't it? It's the attic where we're fucking where, where Kevin stayed. Right. Mm Yeah, but I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. But yeah, the thing of, yeah, we've lived together for three years in one room. Now I'm thinking about I want to stay somewhere else. And 
I, I don't know. I haven't, like I said, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm, I'm not planning to like it. <laughs> so until then, later, sweet pea smooches. Goodbye. Mwah. Bye. there you have it. Next week, we're going to be watching season eight, episode four, Another Room. And you can watch the show for free at dailymotion.com if you care to view along with us. I will post the link in this week's show notes and on the episode's webpage. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.